the Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll talk about the mysterious or not so mysterious departure of Steve Sanofsky as head of the Windows division over at Microsoft. We'll also be talking about Apple's surprise settlement of legal actions involving HTC. Our guests will include Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. We'll also hear from Adrian Hoppel, who writes the Law and Apple column for MacLife Magazine. And then an old friend of ours, Jeff Baudin of Micromat with a great new hardware diagnostic tool for your Mac. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> we have Daniel Aaron Dilgriff, Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. So many things have happened the past couple of weeks in the tech universe, in the Apple, Microsoft, HTC, Samsung universe. We've got to talk about it. We're told here that the head of the Windows division, Steve Sanofsky, over at Microsoft, left because he was a pain to deal with, not because Windows 8 has been a problem. What do you think? Well, it is kind of strange. It was compared a lot, of course, to Apple. But the difference with Apple is, you know, if you look at the stories that are coming out of Microsoft, it wasn't just all of a sudden they decided this is a, you know, an opportune time to have him leave. There has been a, a series of executives that people who you know, claim to know what's going on that was part of the reason why they left, apparently. And that includes a number of other people who are considered likely to take over things or to, you know, lead major projects. There's been a, a departure of like half a dozen major executives that are, you know, people know who their names are. And to have all those people leave and then have Sinoski leave is kind of odd. It would be kind of like if, you know, all the people that everyone knows at Apple with by first name, if all those people left because they couldn't work with Scott Forstall, if if all the people that, were, you know, that had some problem with Scott Forstall, if they all left and then Forstall left like a year later, then Apple would be in trouble, you know. But, yeah, so I don't really understand what why Microsoft would wait until now. I mean, of course, of course, the reason they waited for now is because, you know, he was in charge of everything about Windows. And now that it's out, they're canning him, which is, I don't know, that's... When I first heard Forstall was leaving, I was... When I first saw the headline, I, I was surprised. I mean, it was like that kind of concern surprise where you're like, oh, no, what's going on? And then when you read about it and you, you're aware of what's... The other things that are happening and what they put in place behind him and the fact that he's not... He wasn't just, like, kicked out. He was basically retained for a year with all of it, you know, quite a lot of stock options that are going to keep him from doing anything. Sanofsky, they just said, yeah, he's not here anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of bizarre. It's also bizarre with the fact that he had been with Microsoft for 23 years. So after 23 years, they finally decide they can't stand dealing with him. And we have to look at the rollout to the surface. So Steve Ballmer says, well, the sales of the Surface are modest. The excuse being, well, they don't have a lot of Microsoft stores. It's just available in those stores and online. But is that an excuse? I mean, if a product is really hot, lots of people buy the products online. Why can't they just sell tons of them? Yeah, Apple didn't have a lot of stores when they introduced the iPod. But, I mean, everybody, I mean, I don't understand. When, when Microsoft first came out with the Surface, when they first started floating this idea, it just seemed ridiculous. Why is Microsoft getting into this business? I mean, they have never made hardware that's any good. I mean, they've never made successful hardware. 
And, you know, when people say, oh, what about the Xbox? Well, the Xbox never made me money. It was not intended to make money. It was intended to sell. It was intended to maintain a monopoly on software development in the area of video games. That's why it's called the Xbox, because it's a direct X. You know, it was just, it was just a, a $8 billion hole that Microsoft threw money in to prevent video games from turning into a Sony franchise. But also remember, too, that Microsoft allocated, what, a billion dollars or more to fix defects with the Xbox. Yes, four years, I think, after it was released, the Xbox 360, they were still having more than 50% hardware failure rates. So I mean, that tells you something about Microsoft's ability to make hardware. And I'm not just like casting derision on Microsoft just because I don't, this is a fanboy kind of thing. If you look at a company, there's some companies that are good at certain things. If you look at Apple, there's certain things that Apple wasn't very good at. Apple took years to figure out cloud services. They didn't have a, you know, they weren't excellent at it from the beginning. And, you know, there are still people who will say Apple still has to learn a few more things about cloud services, like iTunes Match is still strange. Yeah, I mean, that is not Apple's core competency. Apple's core competency is making amazing hardware. And then right behind that, they've worked very hard kind of recently since, by recently, I mean the last 10 years or 12 years, in getting into modern software applications. You know, things like everything from Final Cut Pro to, you know, the iWork apps to the iLife apps, those are all in the last 10 years. I mean, those are not things that Apple's been doing for 30 years. They've always had some apps, but it was always kind of a, a thing that they didn't really care about. But after doing things for, you know, a decade, you start to get good at them. Or, you know, you can start to get good at them. And Microsoft has never really been good at hardware. And they've never really had any kind of hit thing. You know, people talk about this peripheral, the Connect. you know, like that was, oh, that just established Microsoft as being good at hardware. Come on, it's a, it's a camera. That does not establish your ability to make a hardware product, especially something that's competing with some, a company like Apple that is just on the top of the game and just knows how to execute. Tell our listeners briefly, especially those who follow the Apple universe, not the Microsoft universe, what the Connect is. Well, it's a Microsoft bought, I think it was an Israeli company that was working on, it's a peripheral, it's, it's sort of similar to, you know, Nintendo's Wii has a little sensor bar that just basically sees where you're at or where your controller is. It's kind of like a remote control. You're, you're pointing it towards the thing. It's very, very simple. And then Sony had this thing that's a little bit more complicated where you actually have a camera. It's kind of like an eye toy where you, your controller lights up and it tracks where the controller is in space. And Microsoft is like even more so that you don't even have a controller. It just senses where your body is in space. There's sophisticated software behind it, but the hardware itself is a pretty simple collection of basic cameras, and it, it senses where you're at in space in front of it. So I'm not saying that it's a stupid product. I'm saying that it's, you know, it's not a difficult mm-hmm. product to make or to sell, especially when you have a huge installed base that's like, oh, here's, here's what we can buy, and then we can have a whole new arm of gaming. So to say that the Kinect, which you know they put it in the World Book of World Records for having sold the most in the first launch period or something like that, Microsoft has made a big deal about how great they are with hardware, but it's like, that's not a very good example of being able to ship hardware. And if you look at the Surface, have you seen the Surface? Have you played with one? I haven't yet, but here's a couple of problems I'm hearing. One is that, you know, they first say, okay, it's 32 gigabyte storage, but the operating system is basically the same operating system you get on the desktop with the desktop. All the features intact except being able to use x86 software. And all that fills half the storage space. I understand that a California attorney is suing Microsoft for deception. In fairness, Microsoft has this in the fine print. Another issue I'm hearing with the Surface is that this 
touch cover with the touch keyboard, it's falling apart in some instances. Yeah, it's coming apart. I don't understand why anybody would even want that kind of thing, but but it, I've seen pictures of it buckling. But I mean, this is a this is a difficult product to just pull off for a company that has really no no history in hardware. I mean, all the the Zoom stuff they made was basically Toshiba building a product and they were kind of tweaking it. And here they're kind of creating a whole new product, and they spent a lot of time talking about how they hired all these designers to make this detail and that detail. But it's a huge project. And you look at Apple. You know, Apple's come out with some pretty amazing product products, and you know, people in the course of using them over a period of time will be like, "Oh, you know, remember when the MacBooks there was like this? My hands are staining it <laughs> problem. <laughs> people just had their hands on a white handrest for a year, and all of a sudden there's yellow spots on it, or." You know, some of the new iPhones that came out, and it was brand new manufacturing technology. And when they first shipped them in the first few weeks or whatever, there was like this color film as the, I don't even remember what it was exactly, but it was like some layer in the, in the film of the screen would have a, a strange color for a period of time before it would kind of go away and be normal. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things you can criticize about a product that's very good. So to, to rush something to market, to compete against the iPad, and kind of seem almost like acting like we don't expect any problems to occur. That is, as they say, naive. It is not naive to tell you. We're talking with Daniel Aaron Dilger. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. You know, neighbors, meetings are essential to the way we work. It's an opportunity to share ideas, problem solve, develop creative solutions. But if your team is spread out in different locations, coming together can be an impossible task. Unless you use GoToMeeting with HD Faces, the powerfully simple way to meet and collaborate online. Learn how GoToMeeting helps you meet with your colleagues just as it helps me. You know, of course, we use GoToMeeting here on the show because it's necessary for me to communicate with the people I work with. And no matter where you're going, GoToMeeting allows you to share the same screen to make it easier to be on the same page. And now you can present from your iPad. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST at GoToMeeting.com. Remember, neighbors, seeing is believing. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. 
us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Daniel Aaron Dilgrove, Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. We're focusing on Microsoft, the musical chairs in the Microsoft Executive Office, whether the Surface has taken off well, as some might claim, or because it's modest, the head of the Windows division, I guess he sort of also shepherded the Surface, as I understand it. He's gone from Microsoft. So we have Microsoft coming out with this new product, we have the touch cover and the type cover. The touch cover, of course, it's plastic, right? It's yeah. like a vinyl or something like that. Yeah. And I know when you get vinyl products, sometimes they come apart. So we have here people who buy the Surface for prices beginning at, what, four ninety nine for the model with touch cover, and the things are coming apart. That's not very good. So we have here the Surface... We have the fact that there's a hardware defect in one of the most important features, which is the cover. And that's the thing they make a big deal of, this cover. You click it in the commercials. They just click and dance. So you have a defect there. So forgetting everything else and forgetting the fact that sales are modest, you didn't have people snaking around the block at Microsoft stores to buy one after they're spending all this money with ads, that doesn't augur well for its success. Well, there's a much bigger problem. Well, there's, a, there's kind of two big problems. One is that, yeah, you're saying that there's hardware issues, and of course there's going to be with the new product. 
But the biggest problem with the Surface, every reviewer who's looked at it, and you know that's what I look. You know, I didn't I didn't officially review it, but the hardware is like okay, you know, it's not terrible, but the software is just it's schizophrenic, and it's also you know beta quality software. It, being able to use it, it's confusing to me. I'm of the PC generation, you know. I mean, to me, a, an iPad, I'd rather be working on a MacBook than an iPad. I'm kind of the old generation that likes, you know, things of the... <laughs> I'm familiar with the 90s. <laughs> and, you know, using an iPad is like, you don't have to think about it. It just works. And I'm kind of accustomed to using a keyboard and, a, you know, Windows and whatever. But anybody, I mean, you can you can give an, a little kid or an old lady an iPad and they just know how to use it. Where the Surface... It feels very much like a PC trying to have some touch layer put on top of it. Some people compare it to a touch-based netbook because the way Microsoft shows it, it's on a kickstand, you pop out the keyboard, whether it's the touch keyboard or the regular keyboard, the type keyboard. You pop it out, this is supposed to be a traditional PC with people dancing and screaming and yelling. But if you take it all away, it's really meant to be a traditional PC. Yeah, and the the problem is, if they'd made it more of a traditional PC, I think it would have appealed certainly to Microsoft's existing base and you know Microsoft Enterprise users. They would be much more familiar with, in some cases, running some of their own corporate apps and things like that. But the problem is, it doesn't run any apps that exist for Windows, you know, before it came out, because it's RT. It's based on ARM. It, it doesn't use the same processor. It's like going from a you know Motorola. Macintosh to a PowerPC Macintosh and not being able to run any of the software. Apple realized that wouldn't work. So it's like we have to we have to emulate the old software on PowerPC. And then when they transferred to Intel, they were like, we gotta do that again. We gotta make sure the people's software still runs. Even if it's not perfect, it's still gotta run pretty well, most of it. Maybe a few titles you can say, sorry, that's not gonna work. But if you just say, No, nothing works, here's some new software, people are gonna be like, What? That's the same thing that happened with Next. Steve Jobs thought they could just come in and, and just start selling com- Macintosh computers with Next on it. And people would be like, wow, this is much better than the crafty old Macintosh operating system that's been obsolete for 10 years. But no, that wasn't the case. People were like, I don't understand. Why, where's my Macintosh applications? We so, understand that. But here's the other thing, of course, is that Microsoft never considered an emulator. Now, that would have possibly been a very important answer, except the emulator is adding a layer on the ARM processor. It's going to be using a lot of resources that are not really available. Yeah, and the, the reason why Apple could do that with PowerPC and, again, with Intel is because the architectures they were moving to were faster. PowerPC was tremendously faster than the old Motorola architecture, 686, or what was it even called, 040 or whatever it was. 68,000, we used to always say. 68K, yeah. Um, and then going to Intel was also had the ability to run a lot of that stuff. And, and the software was so advanced at that point, you could do a lot. But going from Intel to to ARM is a major drop down. And that's why when Apple came out with the iPad, they had no sense. It was like there was no illusion that this was a scaled down Mac. It was a new operating environment that was very familiar to the existing iPhone. So that's why they branded it iOS. They didn't call it, you know, OS 10 scaled down or OS 10 RT or something like that because they didn't want people to think, oh, well, why can't I write, you know, put my other stuff on this? And if you look at other vendors and other spaces that do similar kind of things, you know, Nintendo doesn't try to create too much confusion between the, you know, their desktop Wii and their, what do they call it, the DSi? 
you know, the handheld games. They, they run a different set of software. Same thing with Sony. The, you know, the Sony PlayStation Portable games don't um, doesn't can't run PlayStation Three games because it's a totally different type of not just a different type of game, but also a difference in complexity and sophistication. But you know something else. When you go to an iOS device, an iPhone, an iPad, you know it's a different operating system. It looks different. It feels different. You know it's something different. Here, basically, you're getting the look and feel of the desktop Windows 8 operating system. You even have the desktop layer. And to make matters even more confusing, consider this. You get a copy of Office on the Surface RT. On the desktop layer, you have to go to the desktop layer to get it. They do not include an email app, okay? So you can't conveniently send your, say, Word document by email because it won't mix with the version on the former Metro Interface email app. Never the twain shall meet. They're separate. So you have no email apps. You then have to wait for somebody to come up with an email app. It's kind of like what Research in Motion did with the first BlackBerry playbook, where there was no email app, so you had to kind of link it to your standard BlackBerry smartphone to send email. That's screwy. Yeah, that is pretty nuts. I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of that. but I just read about it. Okay, don't you realize that people who work on Word documents will frequently email those documents or PowerPoint documents or something like that or Excel spreadsheets? Why do you screw this up? Well, you can use SkyDrive and you could use a thumb drive or something. You know, all sorts of stupid excuses. Uh, if you look at when Apple came out with the iPhone and when they came out with the iPad, there were a number of features that just weren't there yet. You know, the first iPhone, had there's a lot of things it couldn't do. You know, it couldn't even take videos and, and couldn't, you know, couldn't do SMS and couldn't do a lot of these things that people were familiar with doing on their phones. And yet what it did do was really good. And it did unique things that you couldn't do on other phones, you know, like browse the web for real and, you know, maps and all these things that, that were very unique to the iPhone that outweighed the things that it couldn't do. And then Apple worked on, you know, bringing in these things that it didn't get in the first 1.0. And when you set expectations like that, when you say, this doesn't do this, but it does do this, you know, then people have a reason to buy something. What Microsoft is doing with the Surface is they're saying this does everything. So they're just setting people up for disappointment. And if because you look- now they're giving you a crippled environment. We have more to come with Daniel Aaron Dilger joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio. DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You know what happens to your digestive health around the holidays? Right. Unusual schedules and foods you don't normally eat can cause upset stomach and indigestion. But you can prepare your digestive tract with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse from Terragonics.com. Pro-EM-1 is all natural and made with certified organic ingredients. It contains no genetically modified ingredients or preservatives and has no animal products, wheat, soy, dairy, or gluten. Pro-EM-1 does not require refrigeration, so you can take it with you over the river and through the woods to Grandma's house. Pro-EM-1 supports a healthy, regular digestive system, supports weight loss, and improves absorption of food nutrients. Improve your digestion and keep off those extra pounds with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse. Call or click Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Toll free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics. Life's getting better. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We're exploring the curious departure of Steve Sanosky as head of the Windows division at Microsoft. Supposedly, they couldn't stand him after 23 years, but maybe also because Windows 8 isn't really doing so well and the Surface sales are modest. Like, I read the other day after... Windows 8 came out, that some 4 million consumers bought the upgrade in three days. Now, compare that to Mountain Lion, the Mac OS, where 3 million people bought it in four days. 
and OS X has a fraction of the users of Windows. That doesn't sound very good for at least Microsoft. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how Microsoft's Windows 8 will ramp, but there is, I mean, there is a huge install base of PC users, and a lot of them are open to anything that's new, and they're, you know, they're, Microsoft's actually charging quite a lot less for it than they have in the past. They've, they've you know, used, typically used to be 100 or $200 for an upgrade to Windows, and now they're, what is it? It's pretty cheap. It's uh, $40, roughly $40 to get a copy, but only until January 31st. Then the price goes back to its normal level because Microsoft is throwing a lot of money on the table to get these early adopters. I guess they're hoping if enough people adopt Windows 8, the buzz will help them, plus those annoying commercials. But there's a survey that's published in USA Today just this week. And it says most Windows users in the U.S. know about Windows 8, but few have immediate plans to upgrade to Microsoft's newest operating system. And it said also, what's more, about one-third of Windows 7, Windows Vista, and Windows XP users who are ready to buy a new personal computer say they intend to switch to an Apple product, which would be a Mac or an iPad. That doesn't sound too good because Microsoft surely knows about that. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty bad. And what's interesting to me, and when I read about Apple critics, you know, and people are just going over the top, and they're saying, "Oh, iOS is so boring. I can't wait until they, you know, I'm just so disappointed that the, when iOS six came out, they didn't totally change it to look like something completely different, you know, like Android every year." And if you look at the history of changing things, you know, like we mentioned, Apple struggled to get people to buy basically next step. And turning it into Mac OS X, that took like six years to finish. And if you look at, you know, when, when Apple changes slight little things in Mac OS X and people freak out and they have to change it back, you know, like the, the tabs on top in Safari and little experimental things that they've done in the past that people just can't handle, you know, having the, the dots in Safari vertical instead of horizontal, things like that. And then if you look on the Microsoft side, every time Microsoft has changed anything dramatically, even, you know, Vista was not didn't change the interface dramatically. It just gave it a different look, and it changed a lot of internal things that, that affected how drivers worked and the existing hardware and things like that, and people just couldn't handle it. And Windows 7 comes out, and it's basically toned down to the point where it kind of looks like Windows did before, and a lot of these issues have worked out over a period of several years. And then Microsoft's strategy going forward, I mean, this is the Synopsy strategy going forward, is two years from now we're going to port it to ARM, and we're going to advertise it as being the full Windows when it does not run Windows apps. And, you know, over those two years, I've been saying, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. This is not going to work. And people are like, oh, I can't believe this is not working. <laughs> I just don't get it why people are so opaque to reality when it's so clear that you cannot take someone's product and just change it dramatically and expect it to be broadly adopted afterward. It doesn't work in, in any kind of category. It, you know, when they come out with a new car, they'll make very thoughtful changes to a car every year. And if they come out with, you know, major changes, it has to be like really something that they've, you know, spent a lot of time working on. This is what people are going to want. Here's a point about that, changing cars seriously. Change of look. Hyundai got away with it and Kia got away with it with several models. But at the end of the day, that's just surface. You know, you change the, you change the look and feel of the car. You change the sheet metal. It looks prettier, it looks nicer, and you make a few changes inside to the interior. But you sit down, and it's still a car. Yeah, and the steering wheel is where the steering wheel should be, and the brake and the gas pedal and the transmission. So 
it could look different. You change the looks, you change the sheet metal, the form factor may be somewhat different. And maybe the seats are more comfortable, you hope. And maybe they're fancier looking, the stitching is better on the leather. But still the car and the basics are there. But Microsoft didn't just change the look, they changed everything. People are used to interacting with Windows in one way, like the Start menu. I understand one of the most popular add-ons for Windows 8 is something that adds a Start menu to the former Metro interface. Yeah, Mac people did the same thing. Whenever Apple takes anything out, there's like this rush to like add it back in. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just kind of human nature is that people don't like things to change, but especially like you're saying, functionally, it's important that people have to be com- comfortable with how something works. And in a car, you know, cars are bought kind of generationally. People buy a car and they use it for a while and they buy another car later on or their kids buy a car, whatever. Where with smartphones and computers, people are buy pretty regularly. I mean, every couple of years, at least, people buy a new computer in, in a, lot of, a lot of cases. And so if you dramatically change it to the point where your old one doesn't work anything like your new one, that doesn't really work. And it's surprising that Microsoft hasn't figured that out because Microsoft has been doing software for 30 years. You'd think that they would be as good at, at software as Apple is at hardware because that's where their core competency is supposed to lie. And if you look at what Microsoft did with, with the software, they changed it so dramatically, and they did it so much in the, form, in, the, you know, in the pattern of Apple as opposed to saying, this is what we really think. And it's such a huge departure from what Microsoft has been thinking up to this point. You know, they're thinking, oh, well, we need a busy bar in the toolbar. We need to change Windows so that it doesn't look like, you know, the open source versions of knockoff Windows. We need to change Office so it also has this kind of ribbon bar that has trillions of buttons and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, we're going to go to this simple web interface that looks like the Zoom. You know? it, it, it clearly does not have leadership. And if another thing about Sanofsky is it's not just Windows that's the problem. You know, when people talk about the surface, Windows being the big problem, Windows Phone is also the critical failure link in the Windows Phone platform. Because Nokia is making phones that are look great, but they don't have the software yet. They can't. They're they're scrambling to try to get these phones to the market because Microsoft has not got their software together yet. So all of Microsoft looks like it's in pretty rough shape as far as figuring its stuff out and being organized. Also, they have a difficult problem trying to convey the message of what they're doing in their ads because their ads are noisy. You know, Apple draws you in because they're low-key ads. You see people working on an iPad. They're playing music. So you introduce the iPad mini. You show the big iPad with the keyboard and the small iPad with the keyboard so you can play music together. These are things real people can do. With the Surface, people click and they dance. What does that have to do with anything? Look at the commercials for Windows 8. The commercials for Windows 8 show, I don't know, some kind of rock star appearing in a concert and they're photographing it or they're taking their finger and drawing a white circle around somebody's face? Yeah. What is this all about and how does this tell me that Windows 8 does anything? I mean, if I looked at that commercial and I didn't understand PCs and Macs, now I'll give you an example. My wife looked at me after watching a Windows 8 commercial and said, what is this about? What are they advertising here? I don't know. It is really strange. It's kind of similar to Samsung commercials where they're showing off and there's an HP commercial too that they show off things that cannot happen and that 
it's almost insulting to the to the user, especially if you know anything about anything. There's a HP commercial for a this little girl who's probably like in fourth, third or fourth grade, if that, and she's making this video. And instead of making a video that a, a girl her age could do and showing, look, she made this video, and isn't that a little cool? They make this green screen video of her flying through space or something, and it's just like this is ridiculous. This girl didn't do that. It's, it's like just- Nokia ran those commercials showing the stabilization feature on their new camera, but it was taken with a professional camera, not with the actual camera, to show how well it did. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Alex Jones here with a message that could revolutionize health in this country. Going back about a year and a half ago, I began to learn about the incredible health effects of Longevity products. Aaron Dykes lost 92 pounds. We're going to show you some before and afters. Aaron Break down what happened, your story. I've worked really hard with diet and exercise to try to lose weight, but I just didn't get the results. It just didn't happen. Then I saw what you were doing with InfoWarsTeam.com. I wasn't even trying to lose weight, but I got it because I wanted to feel better energy. I wanted that nutrition. Didn't even understand how that could kickstart my own weight loss goals, but the products did that for me. I found myself suddenly losing weight, more energetic, wanting to exercise, wanting to eat the right foods. And they don't even advertise it as weight loss. I want to challenge our radio listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com, sign up as a distributor, and get wholesale pricing discounts at InfoWarsTeam.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So is it bait and switch or deception with well, Microsoft's so- commercials, Nokia's commercials? We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine to explain. It's more just dramatization to the point of fakeness. So when you see Apple's commercials, you know, sometimes they dramatize things. They, sh- they shorten the intervals so that you're seeing kind of the point of Siri or things like that. And that's what advertising is for, is to put a you know, nice frosting on top of your product. But the things that Apple shows are things that you can actually do. So they have, you know, the, the Siri commercials with various celebrities interacting with their phone. They're saying, oh, look what you can do, too. And, you know, the initial commercials where they're like, this is how you browse the web. This is how you make a phone call. This is how you do whatever. And people see, oh, I do those things. But I don't understand these recent commercials from, you know, kind of like the PC companies of Samsung and HP and, and also the droid commercials from Motorola that are, yeah, it just, it just portrays somebody setting up some robotic thing that shoots lasers and, you know, uh, has man music going on in the background. And it's like, what does this product do? The, the, these phones don't do any of those things. They don't shoot lasers and blow holes in walls. So what are you dramatizing? That this makes you feel like you're playing a video game, walking around with it? And I think people get that. And, you know, if you look at Motorola's results from those ads, it's not very impressive. Well, the, the Motorola ads with, you know, you're setting up a robot and shooting out lasers and blowing holes in walls and things like that, that they're not real. And I think people get the, get a sense when they see ads like that, that these ads are portraying sort of a nonsense product. Well, you think about the ads for Internet Explorer. The web is more beautiful with Internet Explorer. No, it's not. It's just a web browser. What kind of nonsense is this? It's like the agency that made this had no clue as to the function of the product. They just made a lot of noise. It's like the ones for the droids. Droid does. What does it do? Well, it makes a lot of noise and drives you crazy with these irritating, flashy special effects? (laughs) That does do that. When you advertise a product, uh, if you remember computer ads from a long time ago, 
they were very functional. They told you exactly what they did and how much RAM they had and, you know, how you could program an assembly and whatever. And that targets a, a, a very small market that's interested in that sort of thing. But the broader market, if you look at the sophistication of ads over time, they kind of pattern the sophistication of other products. So people stopped selling coffee by saying, you know, this is really good-looking coffee and saying this, this is a product that makes you happy. So if you look at coffee commercials, it's all about people putting a cup to their mouth and then smiling and then holding somebody they love. You know, it, it's just associating their product with happiness. Well, you know, the classic commercial for soft drinks, I think it was Pepsi-Cola. I might be wrong. This goes back 30, 40, 50 years ago. It said, be sociable. So it was part of your lifestyle. You have a soft drink, you hang out with your friends, you have a good time. No, I mean, there's, there's, there's all kinds of ads that, that kind of equate to your feelings or whatever. And th- that's because those things work. But the kind of computer ads that when, especially the Microsoft stuff, where it's just like all of a sudden Microsoft is doing all these sort of just kind of generic ads about how great and modern and wonderful the Microsoft name is. If they do that long enough, I guess they'll establish that you know people can consider Microsoft as a product, but their products are not quite there yet. They're not products that make people happy. They're products that make people pull their hair out. And they're not products that people are buying. So I, I think that's an ineffective strategy. Of course, Microsoft has so many problems that I don't think ads are the first problem. And they're embarking on this new hardware strategy. I mean, really? Are you going to just abandon all your partners? Did that work out really well with the Zoom? I mean... Who is who is running this company? It's just like they're looking at other companies and saying, well, we have to be Apple now. After, you know, 10 years of just talking the most heinous trash on Apple. And after basically 20 years of just refuting this idea that any company should sell integrated products. I mean, Microsoft has been hitting this refrain about how broadly licensed Windows is the best thing on earth because they have all these companies that are, you know, basically contributing to the diversity of the Windows platform. That has been their message over and over and over again. And all of a sudden they're saying, nope, nope, everything was wrong. It's kind of like when Amazon came out with the, the Kindle Fire, you know, after years of saying that e-ink screens are so much better to read and LCDs make your eyes explode and fall out. You know, oh, here's an LCD. You mean they don't make my eyes explode and fall out? Let me just take a look. Wait a minute. I've been looking at LCDs for years. No, my eyes are still there. But, I mean, when you change your message that dramatically, it's it's kind of hard to keep up. I mean, things do change over time, but to spend, you know, a couple years or even, like, you know, basically making it the foundation of your product to say, we don't do this. I feel like if Apple suddenly came out with something that they've said they never do, it would be kind of hard to be like, oh. Well, you know, Apple gets criticized for not changing enough. Lately, that's interesting, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that when, weird? <laughs> remember when it used to be people would complain about? I mean, even Saturday Night Live would mock the idea of having a new iPod come out every year. Like we don't want new products every year. That's hard to figure out. Wait a minute, they're not changing enough. No, wait a minute. Why they introduced this fourth generation iPad just months after the third generation comes out? Now they're doing it too fast. They're doing it too slow. I don't know what I'm saying. But we get back to Microsoft and the executive musical chairs. So what we're seeing here is that there appears to be noticeable resistance to Windows 8 because it's not something that's a seamless upgrade. Whatever you do, you have a lot of relearning to do. They allowed this Steve Zanofsky to do this. Now he's gone. And you have to think, did Steve Ballmer call him into his office and say, 
look at this disaster I'm facing, get out of here. Oh, I doubt it had anything like that. Um, well, I'm assuming it was more prolonged, but that's the effect. Pretty bizarre, though. I mean, he was like, he was like seen as the person that could credibly replace Balmer. And I think he thought that. And he was also the public voice of Windows. You know, if you wanted to know anything about Windows development, he was blogging all this stuff about why we'd made this decision, why we made that decision. And, you know, going on at length about kind of strategic decisions about how Windows 8 was shaping up. And all of a sudden he's gone. And it's, it just makes you think, well, you know. And, anytime, you know, every time there's been any sort of executive change at Apple, everyone has responded by saying, oh, here's the end of everything. This guy's leaving. This guy's leaving. That guy's leaving. Avi Tavanian, the father of OS ten, he's gone. And John Rubenstein, the hardware guy. Boy, how is Apple going to survive that? But every time they, every time somebody left, they replaced it with somebody that everybody already knew already. In this case, of course, we have, and that's another thing, too. We have Jonathan Ive, who's going to be taking over human interface. And we look at the differences here, where supposedly Steve Jobs and Scott Forstall like to have a calendar app with the desktop stitching on the toolbar. And now because Ive is a minimalist kind of guy, he has to change that, or maybe he's not going to change it. How do you know what he's going to do? I don't know. I think I people are talking about schemoverism a lot, but I, I think the, the there's a lot of other issues with just the consistency and look of, of OS ten and how applications work that could certainly be herded together. What I think Apple should do is set up a licensing group and take all these unique ideas that Apple's created and license it to developers for even for free or whatever, you know, some little tiny amount, um, as part of their as part of the App Store program, so that when you have things, you know, like, and then have all the developers that come up with smart ideas, you know, like when you pull down a a, a list and it does a little refresh thing at the top, um, a lot of, I can't remember if that was actually something that Apple started or if it was a developer idea, but there's a lot of companies that come up with cool ideas that are like, why doesn't everything work like this? And they should just, like, put it all together and make it part of the platform and say, you know, have, like, an impact licensing authority so that all these companies come in and, you know, contribute what they have, and they get a little bit back for having increased the state of the art of the iOS platform. I think that would be a brilliant idea. It'd be a way of getting more input and giving people a check. Which is better, getting a big check from Apple or a smaller check trying to sell your shareware? Well, not only not only selling it that way, but also differentiating iOS so that people don't come up with all these ideas and then bring it to every other platform as well. Because the big problem, if you look at the problem Apple had with software in the in the 90s, it was they basically gave Microsoft a monopoly on software, and they were conscious not to even compete with Microsoft. You know, at one point, they, they had their own Office software, AppleWorks, that was outselling the, the, the minor version of Works out there. And Apple kind of, like, tended not to compete and not to participate in software. It's like we're focusing on hardware and we're letting everyone else do whatever. And the well, result- you know what? You can make the same argument some people do with iWork, that Apple went so far with iWork through iWork 09, and since then the minor updates have been almost insignificant. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Usually, the older one gets, the less you're able to absorb amino acids, and the less you're able to repair the 75 trillion cells of your body. As a result, you'll have less energy, your tissues will shrink, and you'll become wrinkled. An older person will typically injure more easily and heal more slowly. Not fun. However, if you could consume a protein powder that is easy to absorb, then you may be able to gain back some strength, muscle, and speed of recovery. One World Whey is a highly digestible whey protein powder that may be the perfect answer for you. My name is Errol. I'm 74 years old. You know, the taste of One World Whey is amazing. I play pickleball, and since taking One World Whey and your trace mineral supplement, I have more energy and recover faster from my working out. I used to take another grass-fed whey protein powder, but now I'm getting much better results using One World Way. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Daniel Aaron Dilger joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. So many things to talk about, but we're just going to hit one or two more highlights. Okay, with iWork, it does look to me that Apple is afraid to add too many features to that because that way they may upset Microsoft and the Office juggernaut. And I look at it this way, for example, with Pages. Pages has a track changes feature where if you're editing a document, you can see the progress, who made the changes, what they did, that kind of thing. Obviously, if you're an editor or a writer, and Daniel understands this, you have a feature like that in Word that's very important in the publishing industry. Except the version in Pages is sort of compatible, but not completely. It's like, okay, we'll make it 93% compatible. I'm just throwing out a number. We won't make it 100% compatible because of what? Well, because Office is really, really complicated. If you look at you know Microsoft's own Windows versus PC version of Office, they're not compatible. It's just so, I mean, different versions of Office are not compatible. It's just in this incredibly complicated, convoluted, you know, basically a software platform of, of stuff that it's just not designed well. 
It's not designed to be compatible. It's designed to be competitive. But I think I think the reason why Apple is not focused on delivering some of these features, like you know, matching all the features of Excel or you know, matching like you're saying track changes, it's because all the iWork apps came out for the Mac first, and then Apple kind of stalled while they were porting them all to iOS, along with GarageBand and iMovie and all that stuff. That was a priority: is getting that stuff out there so that people would have a reason to buy an iPad. And now that that happened. Then there was like the second rush of converting or connecting the two together with iCloud, so you can work on one platform and then work on another platform, and your documents are already there. And it's it's not quite perfect yet, but Apple has been working really hard to to bring up to basically install iCloud as a way to work with documents. And so if you look at the, a lot of the progress on OS 10 and iOS and iWork, they've been on figuring out how to make iCloud work. So this is one reason why iWork development has slowed down. But if you think if they worked harder towards improving the fidelity of the translations, so people who want to switch from Office can go to iWork and lose very little in the translation, as little as possible. But it, it's kind of a, um, I'm trying to think what the word for it is. You know, when you put so much in, into something and you get a, a diminishing returns, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things Apple could do to make I work closer and closer and closer to office and they could spend, you know, years and years of, of people effort making that happen. And then Microsoft could release a new version of office that would put them back on square one because it wouldn't be compatible with the n- newest version. Then they'd have to go back and, and work on that. So Apple could literally set up a huge project that did nothing but try to maintain compatibility with, you know, last year's release. And they could sort of do that. And nobody would appreciate it because no one sees that that com- how much work went into that compatibility, and there's no real value there. Like, why am I giving my money to Apple instead of Microsoft? Because Apple's product is still a little bit behind. So what Apple has always worked on doing is trying to make compatibility reasonable so you can move things over. But they know that there's, certain, there's a point where you could spend huge amounts of time working to make one little thing different for a very small portion of people. And so do you do that, or do you work on something that makes a huge impact for lots of people and actually makes iWork better for a class of people than Office? And there's a lot of people that if you can, if you can work between your iPhone and your desktop, that's much more valuable than working, you know, trying to bring in Office documents. So you know, it's very easy to look at situations and say, why don't they do this? Well, it's, every decision isn't on its own. It's trade-off. Do we work on this or do we work on this? Which is more valuable? Which will be the most effort, which will be the most valuable for consumers to buy? And if you look at a lot of decisions Apple's making, they've always been unique in that regard. And that's why the, the press and the media has such a hard time liking Apple, is because they don't do what the press thinks they should do. So you see everybody making netbooks, and, and all the press is like, oh, well, why isn't Apple making a netbook? And Apple comes out with something that's much better than a netbook. It doesn't do some of the things the netbook can do, but it does lots of things that a netbook can't do. And the media was surprised because all they were thinking about is, oh, netbooks seem to be selling. That's the future. We've got to wonder why Apple's not making a netbook. And it's basically every product Apple makes is like that. Apple's doing what it thinks is right, and the media is looking at everyone else as trying to copy everyone else. So all these PC makers are making netbooks. All these smartphone makers are making, like, phablet things with a stylus on it, because that's what Samsung thought they could corner the market with. Well, they are selling 
a Six. modest or decent number of those things. I don't know why. Than Apple, and they're making much less money. So if the goal is to ship devices, Samsung is winning. If the goal is to make money over time, because a lot of those people are going to get those Samsung devices and think, why did I buy this crap? It's been a pretty much a, a limited sort of period of time that Samsung has been doing really well. And Samsung basically siphoned the success of the Android environment because everybody else making Android devices is losing money. HTC is you know barely making money. Everyone else is like doing terrible. And HTC now will make less money because they have to write checks to Apple. Well, they were writing checks to their attorneys, so I think they're happy with that. In the end, it's going to be cheaper. Of course, they're already writing checks to Microsoft. That's an interesting scheme here, though. If Apple gets licensing to Android OS licensees, they get this money, these per-handset fees, and Microsoft gets its fees, at what point do you think that all these... Android licensees will say, what are we doing? Well, yeah, I mean, that's how business works. Is if, you, if you enter a market and start selling something that you don't really have a right to sell, you know, if, you, if you're going out making knockoff coach bags or something, then the company's going to say, no, you can't, you can't do that. Or if it's some specialized product, like you know, if Ford wants to make an electric car and Toyota has the patents for it, then Ford has to license those patents, and maybe they'll make a little bit less money, but that's how it works. That You can't just like take someone else's stuff and put your name on it well samsung has always been the kind of company that would wait till somebody else perfected something like flat panel tvs and come up with a lower price version of it but of course you didn't have rampant lawsuits because you had generic technology in those industries you had a handful of people making all the flat panels so you made your own or you bought them and you threw it together and you've got a flat panel tv it's not like that in the handset industry or in the tablet industry but it is like that the tv industry lg and samsung were engaged in a fight over flat panel technology for a long time it's just that no one has dramatized that and no one has vilified one side of it where apple is always vilified every single time there's a lawsuit it's apple's bad and that's the tech media doing that and if you look at for example before apple was suing anybody which has only been recently apple was sued by everybody ipod was sued by creative for having menus that you could go through. And, you know, they finally worked out a deal with Creative and gave them money and said, you know, you're not making any money on MP3 players. Why don't you make peripherals for the iPod? And through a series of, you know, they've had battles with Microsoft and they worked it out with a patent licensing agreement and they, you know, made it sort of a truce. And they've done that with company after company after company. And they tried to make peace with Samsung. And Samsung was like, no, we're, we think we're just going to totally rip off your stuff and you're using our components, so we're just going to, like, go take our components and rip off your products and replace you as a, as a company. And Apple said, no, no, you're not going to do that. And the first lawsuit, they get a billion dollars for. And there's a series of lawsuits that people don't really get this. There is a series of lawsuits. There's piles of patents. It's not six patents. It, there's tons of patents that Samsung has been trampling on. And Samsung has been so egregiously copying Apple that it's just not even funny. And yet you have all these people that are saying, oh, Apple's bad for relying on the market, you know, not, not relying on sales instead of suing people. I mean, a complete, there's, there's so many people that are so incredibly ignorant. But the same kind of thing is happening in every other industry, and people just aren't aware of it because it's not front-page news. It's, it's not a- Apple. Daniel Aaron Dilger, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I write for uh, RefleyDrafted.com and for AppleInsider.com. 
If you want to get in touch with us here at the Tech Night Owl Live, here's one way to do it. You can write us a letter at news at technightowl.com, news at technightowl.com. And if you're interested, by the way, in how Apple's doing in those lawsuits, the guy who writes law in Apple for MacLife magazine, Adrian Hopple, joins us next. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number one, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel, at 800 686 2237 extension 108 and i'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for call 800-686-2237 extension 108 you've worked hard your whole life and i want to work hard for you call peter at 800-686-2237 extension 108 American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com Here it comes, another cold and flu season. 
Get ready for it and save now during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't be without powerful natural flu fighters like elderberry power capsules. They support the immune system and they have antiviral properties. Another powerful antiviral is olive leaf capsules, highly recommended by Herbal Healer Academy. Also on sale is Physician Strength Oregacillin, a savior for the lungs. It fights bacteria, virus, and fungus. Our famous four herb capsules are a gentle liver cleanser and can be taken daily. Also featured this winter are the homeopathic detoxes, liver, kidney, lung, lymph, whole body, and brain detox on sale. And remember, as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Since we have heard all the news that came out this past weekend about Apple reaching a settlement with HTC over patent stuff, we thought the guy to bring along is the fellow who writes the Law and Apple column every week, and maybe it'll be more frequent like right now because of all this, that's Adrian Hopple. So Adrian, I know you didn't expect to be called back into duty, into jury duty on the Tech Night Out Live (laughs) so quickly, but you're back. Glad to be back, Gene. Thank you for giving me uh, the opportunity here. Yeah, it's been... Quite the eventful weekend, for sure. To put a human interest level on this, did you just wake up and hear this announcement or read it or what? Yeah, pretty much so. I got up, started skimming through the news things like I do for anything else, not really not really expecting to get any big news on the topic over the weekend. And this came across, and I thought, wow. And my initial reaction was, finally, maybe this is what's going to start to tip the scales the right way. Well, let's look at the tipping of the scales. Tell our listeners in 10 million words or less, without all the legal niceties, which we probably can only guess about, exactly what's involved here between Apple and HTC. Well, HTC was pretty much the first company that Apple sued when the so-called patent war started, when Steve Jobs declared war on Android devices. They went after HTC. They sort of seem like the low-hanging fruit, the least protected of all the Android manufacturers. That's what started the whole thing rolling. And I think HTC has reached a point that I believe a lot of other Android manufacturers are going to reach, and Google will as well, that these licensing deals have to happen. This is the only way that the market can really move forward. And I think they got to the table with Apple, and they worked out a 10-year agreement that basically turns off all the lawsuits that are currently going on around the world between these two organizations and set up a licensing deal between the two organizations for the patents that were in dispute and covers future patents as well. It doesn't specifically say all patents. So there, of course, could be developments that Apple doesn't want to license in the future or vice versa. But for the most part, it was a ceasefire. It was a peace treaty between these two organizations. Now, the estimates I've heard are 5 to $8 per handset to Apple. Is that what you heard? It's kind of all over the place. And no one has got 
to see the official agreement yet, and I'm not sure that we will until Apple tries to enforce some of these other patents against another Android manufacturer. And by that, I mean if Apple takes these same patents and says to Motorola or to Samsung, uh, you're infringing on these patents in court, then this agreement will come into play and Samsung will, will say, well, HTC only has to pay this amount for that. So your wild $3 billion claims in this case can't be true because you only charged HTC this amount. And I think that's when we'll know for sure exactly what this agreement is going to be. But I think it's pretty clear that the announcement didn't say specifically, but HTC is definitely writing some checks to Apple for these patents. And I don't think it's going both ways there. I think HTC decided this was a pointless fight and let's just come to terms that we can live with. We'll start writing you checks and we'll each go back to, you know, developing product. Well, Apple and Microsoft figured that out in the 1990s. I would assume that was all Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, old friends or frenemies, as some people call them, sitting together over dinner or whatever, not a vodka martini shaken, not stirred, whatever it is, sitting together wherever and saying, let's work something out. And they worked it out like gentlemen. They worked it out, said, okay, you do this, I do this, you make this agreement, let's compete fairly, no more patent lawsuits, it's over. But in turn, there's a quote from one of the executives at Samsung this week where he says, no, we're not going to do that. You know, and I think they have to say that until they're ready to do that. But I think I really believe that this is the only possible course that this whole ball of wax can go. I think these lawsuits have to come to a close for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that Google and Apple last year spent more on legal fees than on research and development. And I I think that's a horrible thing for this industry. I think those companies, I think all the companies have to realize that these are resources that are being diverted away from the next big thing. And everybody wants the next big thing. And smartphones flip over so fast. Tablets come out so fast. Apple released three in one year this year. That to have a delay because you're fighting about patents is just not good business for anybody. And it's also the cost of legal fees. You add that up and you think win or lose, you're paying these $500 an hour lawyers, huge teams of lawyers, you're paying tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, and you're saying, what is this for? Right. What are we accomplishing? And I do agree that when you do... You do have you do invest in your own organization, you have your own internal research and development and you and you come up with these great innovations that there has to be some way to protect that. And I think licensing is is the way it's going to go. Google was pretty adamant that Android is free. And I think all their manufacturers are starting to realize it's not free. It's not a free OS. Because if we're going to use this, we're going to have to pay these licensing fees to Apple. Because a lot of this stuff, however you fall on the line of Android or iOS a lot of the Android technology is using Apple patents. The manufacturers aren't going to wait for Google anymore to back them up in court because that's not happening. And Google's big purchase of Motorola patents isn't doing anything for, for them. I think HTC looked at all that and said, you know what, we're kind of in here on our own. We're, we're committed to the Android operating system, but to move forward, we can't do that if we're spending all this money fighting Apple. So let's just pay the fees and start moving product again. That sets a precedent for others. Now, in terms of Microsoft, Microsoft hasn't gone to court for any of the patents it asserts are its own, but we have companies like HTC and others paying them anyway. So how did Microsoft get away with that, and how did Apple not get away with that? I think Google really pushed the fact that um, 
you know, we have this Android operating system and it's free and open source and they and they touted that and I and I really feel like they they misapplied the term open source because that really it really can only apply to stuff that you create yourself and you decide to make open source. You can't take other people's code and other people's in, innovation, repackage it, and say, "Hey, I'm offering this open source to everybody." Um, yeah, but the question here is Microsoft. Mm-hmm. It looks like those who are paying Microsoft simply went down their knees and said, "Here's a check." Okay, well, you say you have these patents, here's a check. But when Apple says they have patents, they sue. How did Microsoft get away with it? Imagine if you're those companies and you have Google in your corner saying, don't, don't pay that check to Apple. We will back you up. We're- but with Microsoft, there's no argument. I think no one looked at Microsoft's Windows operating system uh, and their phone system wasn't a big player on the market. And I also think a lot of companies were willing to go to war with Apple to grab the market share. And I had said this after the big court ruling this summer where Samsung lost upwards of a billion dollars, but what they gained was a year and a half worth of market share that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And nothing's going to take that back. And I think in a lot of ways it was a calculated risk to say, look, Apple's running the table. iPhone is everywhere and if we don't put something out and start grabbing customers now, we're never going to be able to. Even if they take us to court, even if we have to pay money down the road, we'll still have a customer base. Let me do the break. We have Adrian Hoppel of MacLife Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. 
HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Who wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health? Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show Viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. A little later on this week's episode, we'll have Jeff Bodine of Micromat. He's going to talk about a brand new program the company's just come out with called Checkmate. You'll find that more later on the Tech Night Out Live. Adrian Hoppel from MacLife Magazine, where he does the law in Apple, and we're going to be exploring that in more detail. So now we have HTC and Apple. We have Samsung still saying, no, we're not going to do that. Now, there's an interesting development in the Samsung trial, and that is Samsung claims that the jury foreman had some kind of conflict of interest. What's that about? I think post-trial, Samsung has gone out of their way to post hole, poke holes in the rule, ruling that came out. Um, and one of the targets that they went after was the jury itself, um, trying to discredit the jury, trying to show any way they could that the jury acted inappropriately. Um, they even went so far as to look at the jury foreman and look at his past careers, Um, where he had worked in patents. He had tried to have patents issued for his business and said that gave him, you know, sort of an unfair perspective. 
And in the process, they accidentally released personal details about his life, including a bankruptcy that occurred 20 years before, and just a lot of other, I think, kind of nasty, nasty tricks um, to make the jury look as poor as possible, none of which is going to have any bearing on the court. Um, but I, it just – everything that came out of that trial from Samsung's perspective – um, really didn't sit well with me. The way their lawyers acted from the beginning through the end, it almost seemed to me in line with a company that knew they were going to lose, that went into this whole process knowing they were eventually going to lose, um, grabbed as much market share as they could, made the trial as nasty as possible, and eventually is just going to write the check that they should have written in the first place. But um, you know, now they can claim that they fought long and hard to stand up to Big Bad Apple. And I, I just don't think a lot of people are going to see it that way. You're suggesting then some kind of posturing here. Absolutely. Um, and anything that they can do, because when you get when you get a, a ruling like that against you, it calls into question everything your company does. People look at Samsung and say, wow, they lost in court and they lost a ruling for a billion dollars. What kind of organization is this? So, you know, they have it becomes more of a PR act than legal wranglings at this point to try and, you know, convince the public that, you know, we're the victim here. We're the organization that's getting beat down by, by big bad Apple, and you know we're just doing our best and so on. And I think people, I I I think their ultimate effect is for people to tire of the whole issue, and stop linking Samsung with a company that copied the iPhone, even though that's what happened, and just think of Samsung as another company and just get tired of the whole topic altogether. Just basically, with enough smoke and mirrors, tire people the subjects so they don't pay attention. They kind of shut it down. And, of course, Samsung seems to be selling a lot of the Galaxy S3s, aren't they? And you, and I think that's a testament to where the organization should be and that they do make product that that people like. And they can definitely make their own pieces and put them out there, and they can be a competitive force. If they hadn't copied the iPhone to the extent that they did, uh, would they be able to have these sales now? Probably not. Um, I think at the end of the day, it was going to be a successful gambit for them. Um, I, Apple was definitely in a position to run the table like they did with the iPod, and Samsung prevented them from doing that. And now it's an open market, and that's that's probably better for everybody. Um, I think the way they did it was unethical at best, and I think the court realize that and i think the ruling went as it should um but i think at this point we have to get back to where we are with htc and say guys let's just let's just make our products and if we need to use each other's patents then you know we'll come up with some fair and the court if we need help can decide what that fair amount is but we can come up with some fair price for using each other's innovations okay so who's the next one to fall in line if samsung falls in line all the companies fall in line we think I, they're the leader of the rest I, of the Android licensees. So who goes next? Motorola? What? But then I, Motorola is Google, so they wouldn't want to do that, would they? I think Google has to do it. Um, I think Samsung is not going to budge until the final ruling is passed on the jury award from the trial this summer. I think they're going to continue to posture and act like the victim um, until all the dust is settled from that. And that might not be until next spring. So they're not going to change their stance at all um, until the court finally decides what is the final amount they have to pay. But I think we've been hearing whispers for months now of secret top-level meetings between Tim Cook and top-level people from Google. And I think Google is going to start getting pressure from their handset manufacturers to say, you need to back down from this. You need to come to terms 
so that you know we can do business because if you're a handset manufacturer if you're Nokia or anybody else that's looking at an operating system that's out there and you know if you use Android it's going to put you into the courtroom as long as Google holds this position you might look a little harder at Microsoft you might look a little harder at at any other operating system that's out there even if you want Android on your device because it is so popular around the world you're going to start pressuring Google to say come on knock it off come to some terms we don't want to go to court every time we launch a new handset but at that particular point in time, wouldn't Google be honor-bound if they reach a settlement like that to say, okay, here's how it's going to work. There has to be a fee, a licensing fee. It can't be free anymore. There's no free. That's done. That's history. They can't eat that money. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're going it's, to it's so. Or is it going to be one of these things where they simply set up each of their handset licensees as a subsidiary licensee saying, we'll give you the OS free, but in turn, you will have to pay Apple and Microsoft or whatever. Perhaps. Um, and, you know, we will leverage our relationship with a- Apple to get sort of a group discount rate. And, and anybody we send to has to agree to that rate. Could be some, something along those, those lines. Um, I, it seems against Google's business model overall to start selling software. Um, I think they, they really, really believe in give away as much as we can can for, you know, quote unquote for free and we'll make money all we'll drive revenue all these other ways. Um, and I don't think they're gonna get away from that, but the the cost of who's paying Apple and who's paying Microsoft is going to have to be shared by everybody. Okay. Okay. I understand that. And this is gonna be something that's gonna be complicated. But how long will it take to play out? Is it going to depend on what happens to the Samsung lawsuit, or is Google soon going to fall in line? Because I heard that the official talks are happening between Larry Page and Tim Cook. But then we're just hearing stories. We don't know. I think myself um, that 2013, I think sometime next year this all comes to an end. Um, I don't think anybody wants to continue down this road and I wouldn't be surprised, based on nothing that I've heard, but I wouldn't be surprised if some sort of agreement came out even before the end of the year, because I think it would be best for everybody to go into next year with all of this settled. I'm not sure if that's going to occur. I'm not. They might want to wait till after Sam, Samsung is done. But I think the fact that we're hearing enough rumors that the talks are going on uh, means that it's it's closer to happening than not. And I would really like to see it occur, if not this year, then first or second quarter of 2013. And I wonder what kind of statement will it be. Well, I guess it'll be just a one paragraph or one sentence statement. Apple and Google have reached an agreement on various patents. There will be an exchange of patent rights and everybody will be happy and they'll go home and they can be free to innovate. And that's it. Right. Basically, just what we got from the HTC ruling Apple, sort of kind of hinting at we're happy to be able to protect our innovation and HTC gently skirting the issue of, you know, it's nice not to be sued by everybody. But, you know, a couple nice sound bites from each CEO, a little four paragraph press release and everybody moves on. And notice the press release came from Apple. Which is, I think, another sign that this settlement was tilted fairly heavily in Apple's direction, as it should have been. Um, but I think the fact that Apple released it is is suggesting as well that Apple got what they wanted out of this deal. Well, certainly, for all things, is the legal precedent. That settlement could be pulled into court and saying, look, they agree. They settled. They agree that we own these rights. You have no right to argue otherwise. And, and 
and the other manufacturers can say, fine, you have no right to ask us for more than that as well. So I think a lot of thought had to go into that settlement, knowing it was going to be a template for every other handset manufacturer when these issues came up. But think of the legal fees. We have Adrian Hoppel of MacLife Magazine joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, taxhelponline.com. That's taxhelponline.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. You know what happens to your digestive health around the holidays? Right. Unusual schedules and foods you don't normally eat can cause upset stomach and indigestion. But you can prepare your digestive tract with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse from Terraganics.com. Pro-EM-1 is all natural and made with certified organic ingredients. It contains no genetically modified ingredients or preservatives and has no animal products, wheat, soy, dairy, or gluten. 
Pro EM1 does not require refrigeration, so you can take it with you over the river and through the woods to Grandma's house. Pro EM1 supports a healthy, regular digestive system, supports weight loss, and improves absorption of food nutrients. Improve your digestion and keep off those extra pounds with Pro EM1 Probiotic Cleanse. Call or click Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Toll free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So are we going to see peace on the lawsuit front involving Apple and all these other companies? I guess we're hoping. But meantime, Apple lost a lawsuit over certain patent rights with one of those patent trolls. I haven't stayed on top of that one as much this past week. I've been kind of swamped with with the HTC work. Um, the patent trolls are, are out there, and it's, it's, it's a nonstop issue for the organization. For our listeners there, a patent troll is generally considered an organization that buys or gets handed patents that had no work in developing them, has no background in manufacturing or anything else. Its sole purpose is taking the patent and then using it to sue companies that are infringing it. And it often takes a a shotgun approach at anybody that could possibly be infringing on the patent comes under fire. So they get the name, the moniker of a patent troll. Because basically what they're doing here is they're not selling a product. All they do is they buy up these patents hoping that they could make money. Now, a lot of companies will just cave. They can't afford to pay the legal fees, so they'll cave. They'll go ahead and pay the fees, and that's it. But other companies like an Apple, where they've got deep pockets and they can buy lawyers and get them on the case, they'll say, oh, wait a minute, we're not letting you do that. We're going to take it to court. But then they take it to court in a jurisdiction in East Texas. And what is there about this part of Texas where they seem to be amenable to these lawsuits and favor the people who make the suit. There are a lot of different districts in the U.S. that have tendencies that way. And and for whatever reason, in Texas, it, it weights heavily toward the plaintiff. And the trolls know that when, when they come into play. And Apple knows if, if we're going to go to court on this um, and it's going to be in this jurisdiction, there, there's a higher chance than not that we're going to lose the ruling. And that's why in a lot of cases... Uh, they will just settle, even if they don't think that they've done anything wrong. It's just cheaper and less headache to write a check up front and make it go away than to fight it out. And when you have as much going on as Apple does, both product-wise and legal-wise, I think in a lot of cases, they end up writing a check. And just if they feel like the issue has enough legs to go to court and has enough legs to go to trial, even if they're going to win eventually, it's just not worth the fight. And the patent trolls count on that a lot saying, you know, I have a sticky enough issue here that you're going to have to explain your case in court in front of a judge. It's going to take a lot of money from you. Or you could just write me a check right now and I'll, and I'll be quiet. Here's the information on this, okay? Apple's been fined a total of $368 million, And this is patents involving FaceTime, as I understand it. And the company's name is Vernet X, okay? And they've also launched intellectual property cases, against Microsoft, NEC, and Cisco. So I guess it's anywhere that concerns video conferencing. That's the key. 
Right, and and that's and that's the common move is anybody that in any way offers technology or software that uses the patent, because again they're banking on the pay us and we'll go away mentality. So it's as many people as we can get, you know, in our shotgun approach to sue. Those are the people that will that we will go after, and you can see a patent troll a lot of times will do will file five, six, seven, eight lawsuits a week over a particular top topic. And in the smaller cases, with a smaller organization, there's been com- companies that have gone out of business completely because they can't pay a check and they can't go to court. And it's it's one of the dark sides of the U.S. patent system that has a lot of dark sides. But it's it's definitely a problem that needs to be addressed at some point. Huh. Well, the whole patent situation is kind of screwed up, too. It is, and it wasn't really designed for technology that's this complicated and moves this fast. Um, in some articles that came out from the New York Times a few weeks ago, they were interviewing some of the workers there, and they have basically a day and a half to review any patent that comes across their desk, and they're so backlogged that there's there's no possible way, and they've admitted we make no pretense of getting it right every time. Um, there's just no way to know every single possible prior art claim that could happen against that patent. So they're understaffed, they're overworked, the patents come flying in. Every organization tries to patent every little thing. And, you know, if they can get them, you have a patent, but until it's proven in court, either someone you're going to bluff somebody to write you a check or they're going to take you to court, and then the court's going to decide if it's applicable or not. And that's not the way the system's supposed to work at all. Now, in Chicago, I think, Judge Posner has thrown cases out. He's disgusted with the whole thing. He is. He is. Tell us about Judge Posner. What do you know about him? He is the most, he's the most cited legal scholar in the United States right now. In a lot of circles, he's considered a rock star judge. Um, and what he says carries a lot of weight. And he's been very, very vocal about these cases and these claims and very, very particular and holding both parties to a very high standard and very quick to toss cases out and make a very public point about why. Um, I think he would love to see some massive, massive change in the way patents are issued and enforced. Um, And a lot of that comes back down to some sort of general agreement for licensing. At the end of the day, it has to come back to some sort of table where we can say, if you invent something that we need, we should have access to be able to use it and we should have to pay you a fair price for it. And it doesn't have to involve courtrooms and doesn't have to involve massive public trials and all the hype and everything that's attached to it. Because uh, it is a big waste of resources, both for the technology companies that could be spending much all that money on innovation and research. And it's, and it's a big waste of time for the courts. You're, you're putting jurors and trials in for weeks to figure out the minutia of patents that, at the end of the day, are almost outdated by the time the ruling comes out. Yeah, so, in a couple of years, it's gone. Judge Richard Posner, he is a judge on the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Court in Chicago, a senior lecturer at the University of Chicago Law School. I mean, this guy is a brilliant guy, 73 years old, so you figure he's going to retire eventually. Although, I don't know, you know, he might be still doing this at 100 years old because it keeps his blood flowing. Seems to enjoy it, that is for sure. He has to get a kick. He doesn't need to do this. He does not need to do this. He's from Yale and Harvard, you know, went to all the blue chip law schools. He was appointed by President Reagan. So are there enough Judge Posners around the country to straighten this out and say, we're going to just reject everything and let 
the Congress figure it out? I am not sure. Um, I'm not sure how that change happens. There's a lot of people with a lot of different theories from the from the wide open open source group, and that goes all the way up into Congress as far as people who believe patents and innovations should just be available for use um, to people who are being backed and lobbied by the forces that really like it the way it is from the legal firms and everybody else who are making a lot of money um, with the way the patent system is. And they're just fine with charging a company to keep filing patent after patent after patent and then charging the company to defend all of those patents in court and so on and so forth. So you have definitely two camps on either side, somewhere in the middle, I guess, like anything else, it's going to have to fall. There has to be some way for innovation to proceed without monster lawsuits, but there has to be a way for a company to have their their investments protected as well. If we had the situation back in the 70s when Apple was founded, there'd be no Apple. Correct. And it wasn't even something that people that people even thought about is how do we how do we protect our, our things this way. Apple went in to Xerox, they they saw the software and they had, you know, sort of a verbal agreement to, hey, whatever you see is fine. They reworked it themselves. Microsoft did basically the same thing. There was some public jawing about it. There was some, hey, we had that first, you stole that, blah, 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 but it wasn't like this. Well, remember also, apparently, John Scully, who was the CEO of Apple in the 1980s and early 1990s, he licensed some parts of Mac OS to Microsoft, supposedly very small portions, but of course, Bill Gates was smart enough to leverage that to say, I can do anything I want. True. And when Steve Jobs came back after John in one of the early press conferences announcing the direction Apple was going to go, a lot of Apple at that point was backed by Microsoft. And there was a lot of investment by Microsoft in Apple at that point. And there's a great, there's a great uh, video and shot of Steve Jobs giving that speech with a live feed of Bill Gates behind him. But the monitor behind Steve Jobs is a huge, huge screen. So you have this, this sort of giant head of Bill Gates smirking behind Steve Jobs as he's announcing, you know, the help from Microsoft to kind of get us back on track. And it's it's a very surreal little moment there. But people forget how close these two were and how much they competed against each other, but how much they helped each other along the way. And I think some sort of environment where we get back to that, where we can say, hey, we can compete and we might not always be friendly about it, but we're not trying to break each other's company in court either. Well, in the case of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, I got the impression when you watch the joint appearance, they had a lot of personal affection for one another. They're on competing sides as far as the companies, but personally, they can still be friends despite that. It's like having a husband and wife, one's a Republican, the other's a Democrat. We have Adrian Hoppel of MacLife Magazine joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the 
the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. Welcome back to Get Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. So, we focus on whether there is hope for patent peace in the tech industry, that Apple will make such a deal with competitors, get all that stuff straightened out, and then we don't have that problem anymore. Now, in a situation like this, one key thing I would think, if there is going to be this kind of settlement, that the other companies like Google would have to see, okay, these are the limits that are set forth. We're building new versions of Android, and now we see what Apple is doing, but now we know the limits. We can't go that far unless we call up Apple and say, let's make a deal. Right. That is where everything is going to move into. I don't think you're going to have to have a situation where there's as much copying going on. I really firmly believe a lot of this occurred because Apple completely got the jump on every on everybody else. When the iPhone came out, it was laughed at. CEOs of BlackBerry and Nokia and Microsoft said this is never going to work. And nobody was doing anything to catch up to them except for Google, who was trying. And I think they realized we have to get something out fast. And it has to look as cool or as close to as cool as Apple is, or this whole show is going to be over. But now Android has a huge toehold in the marketplace. Um, Apple has a nice spot there. Microsoft is trying to jump in. I don't think it's going to have to be a situation where there's as much copying going on because the market share is divvied up already. Um, It's not like it was even four years ago where there was the iPhone and then nothing else. And I think from this point forward, you're going to have companies innovating on their own without having to copy from each other. Okay. Now, I have another question here, which takes us to the original statement from Steve Jobs, quoted in that book from Walter Isaacson. I feel here that sometimes Steve Jobs said things just for the effect. (laughs) They're going to go thermonuclear, you know? Right. He's going to bet the company on suing Google. Was that just, you know, firing off the bow of the ship? Just kind of a threat? It's, How it's, close did he intend to go? It's always tough to say with Steve. And when we look back, he loved to say the dramatic things. There's no question about that. But 
I think, and if you read that book, it it sort of hints at it a lot. I think he was really stung by what Google was doing. I think he was really kind of shocked that that they were going to launch Android in direct competition to the iPhone. Um, and he said, you know, we didn't get into the search engine business. They got into the smartphone biz business. And I, I think he really went out wanting to fight toe-to-toe to Google all the way to the bitter end. And I think, sadly, that became one of one of his major focuses in, in the last portion of his life. Um, I think that was clear as soon as Tim Cook came in, the first hints that he started giving were that, you know, he didn't want to keep going this way. He was not interested in going thermonuclear. He was not interested in, in continuing down this path. He was going to protect Apple's patents and rights, but he didn't need to have a big bloodbath from here until the end of time. As a practical matter, that doesn't make sense. You can't really do it. It's not like you have two competing mob bosses go after one another. Right. And I think Steve had reached the point where almost everything he touched was turning to gold at that point. Everything Apple was putting out up until then was was just changing the world as far as the way we were using technology. And the money in the bank was astronomical. And I think he felt like, I can I can do whatever I want here. I can push this as far as I want to. And I think it had come to the point where he had been in that position for so long and had gotten not tunnel visioned, but so focused on the dominance of Apple in this particular marketplace. And he was not going to give up a square inch of ground. And I think when Tim Cook came in, he was a lot more reasonable about the whole thing and said, you know, we're still going to have our core products. We're still going to be successful. It's unreasonable to think we're going to maintain a 93 percent market share. Um, That's just that's just not realistic. It's also unreasonable to think they could win in every court jurisdiction, that they could spend billions of dollars a year just suing people. Right. For a lot of old time Apple fans, it kind of kind of didn't seem very Apple like. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like the company that a lot of us fell in love with in in the early 80s and 90s. Um, it just seemed kind of like suddenly you were the big bad guy. You know, when you start out smashing TVs, on, in the nineteen eighty four commercial about Big Brother and IBM, and then suddenly it's very easy for the media to paint you as Big Brother suppressing everybody else. Um, I think all of us would just like to see this go away. Well, do you have a prediction? When do you think this might be settled? Do you think by the first of the year we're going to see settlements by and large? I think by the end of second quarter. I think uh, second quarter of next year. We should have a lot more settlements like the HTC. But I wouldn't be surprised if we had a blockbuster announcement suddenly out of the blue between now and the end of the year between Apple and Google just to say, we're done. We're going into next year with a clean slate. Um, That's my hope, at least. Time will tell. Time will tell. Speaking of different things, and of course, we've all talked about Scott Forstall departing Apple and his reputation is kind of a tough guy to deal with. Now we have what some say is a counterpart over at Microsoft, Steve Sanofsky, who shepherded the design of Windows 8 and the Surface, and there's resistance to that. And now they're saying, well, he was asked to leave because he doesn't get along well with others. After 23 years of the company, suddenly he doesn't get along well with others. Do you believe that? I think he was a huge driving force in getting Windows 8 out there and Windows 7. I think he did a lot of cleanup after Vista came out. And I think Windows 8 was his project, and he was unrelenting on how he wanted it to be. And I think it's time will tell if it's going to be a successful move for Microsoft, but it is a big, bold move in a new direction. And I think they really needed to do something big and bold. So I was really kind of disappointed when I, when I saw this news. 
because I felt like he was the one driving force that was going to shake them up. And now they are just focused more on, on realigning with people who agree with Steve Ballmer. And um, I, I think, honestly, the wrong Steve left. I, I think Sinofsky would have been a much better choice to stay on. And I think Ballmer has shown us over the years that um, he's just not getting it. Is that possibly one of the reasons he got rid of this guy or persuaded him to leave, knowing this is his primary competitor? If he wants to stay at Microsoft, Sinofsky's got to go. Perhaps. And I have read in some, some places that even Bill Gates blessed off on this move. Um, and I find that all incredibly disappointing because, yes, Sinofsky was probably his top competitor. But if, I, if Bill Gates has any influence still with what's going on there, I would think he would look at this relationship and say, look, Bomber, you, you, you panned the iPhone. You said that was never going to work. You said the iPod was a joke, that Zoom was going to be great. You said the tablet device was never going to take off. Um, how many strikes do you get versus this guy who's totally reinventing the direction Microsoft is going, um, trying to get us competitive again? I find it hard to believe that Bill Gates would have cited this way. Yes, but that assumes that Windows 8 is going the right direction. And right now, when you look at the surveys, a lot of people who might have wanted a new PC or need one are going to be looking maybe at iPads and Macs. There's a survey in USA Today saying, what, 30-some-odd percent? And I don't know if that was um, I don't know if that was avoidable. I think if Windows 7 was still the operating system out there, I think iPads and Macs are just a lot more attractive. I think if I was looking at you know, a netbook computer or something in the in the three to eight hundred dollar range, um, I would definitely look at a tablet device and say, "Can I get everything I that I need done on this device?" And I think the Surface is Microsoft's big gambit here. Not that they're throwing in the towel on the PC side, but they're trying, or at least when Snofsky was there, trying to align more in the mobile computing market. And I I don't know if Windows Eight is going to be their best answer in this, but I think it was a big step in the right direction, even if it ends up not being the greatest operating system that they ever produced. But if they see failure, the potential for failure, especially with the Surface, where there are some product defects, like, for example, on some of those accessory cover keyboards, the plastic starts coming apart. Sometimes you get that problem with vinyl plastic. Issues like that. They, the sales are modest. Do you hang that on Sanofsky saying it's his fault, we need to fix the company because he took a gamble, that gamble may not pay off, we have to have a whipping boy or a whipping person if we're going to be politically correct? I think if you do, um, and if that's what happened, I think you're making the wrong choice because even if, even if this first attempt doesn't succeed as much as they wanted to, it was an attempt in the right direction. And I think if you had stayed with a traditional Windows structure and not really addressed the need for a mobile device, you were good. the whole company was going to fail. Of course, one could also argue that this was kind of a desperate move. If Microsoft wasn't doing what they expected to do in the mobile space, is this the way they should have gone? We have Adrian Hoppel from MacLife joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, November 16th, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 17.11.30. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 17.53.69, 8.76.84 for a half ounce, or 4.38.42 for a quarter ounce. That's 17.53.69, 8.76.84, and 4.38.42. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Adrian Hoppel joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. He writes Law and Apple for Mac Life. And I notice here we're using Skype, which is a Microsoft product. And as we talk about Microsoft, sometimes his voice gets distorted. <laughs> so there's something in there, there's some kind of algorithm that if you criticize Microsoft too often, what they're going to do is cut you off. Maybe, Gene. And I do criticize Microsoft a bit, but it's, it's normally because I don't feel like they're being that innovative. I have my Mac here on my desk, but I, I do run a couple versions of Windows on it as well. I did finally get Windows 8 installed. I would really like to see them be a, be a competitive company that's out there. I don't know if they're insidious enough to, to mess with the Skype trans, transmission, um, but I guess anything is possible. Right, we're just kind of goofing on them because they deserve it. That's how you go. But my assessment here, just looking at it, is I'm not encouraged with what they did with the Surface, not encouraged with Windows 8. They may have gone too far. Now, whether or not the wrong Steve left Microsoft, we have to look at this in this way. What would Microsoft have to do to get rid of Steve Ballmer? That's pretty difficult. If Ballmer has Bill Gates' ear, that's his old buddy. Gates is not going to let them fire him no matter what. It definitely appears not because I think in a lot of organizations, the stances that he took competing against Apple in the last four years were all wrong. He was on the wrong side every time and he was vocal about it. Even now, he was in the press in the last couple of days trying to pump up Surface and Windows 8 by really kind of trashing Android and Apple at the same time. Android for being sort of the Wild West and uncontrolled, and Apple for being high-priced and too controlled, and trying to make the position that Windows is going to hit the sweet spot right in between there. I think it's just typical Steve Ballmer. He's very abrasive in the press. He's very aggressive in trying to talk uh, other people's products down. And it used to endear him a little bit to the fanboys and, you know, the techie geek conventions who would get all pumped up hearing him, you know, make fun of Apple products and stuff. But when you're publicly wrong so many times on what the competitor is doing, I think you need to either get a new guy or at least get that guy to take a new tactic there. Well, we're going to have to see how this works out in the next couple of years. What it looks right now is that all that Steve Ballmer is doing is just moving up people from within the organization, reorganizing the corporate musical chairs, and just going on like nothing happened. Right, and and just as you stated in the beginning, it's not that different from what happened at Apple just a few weeks ago. So if these two guys spun off and started their own company, I think that would be fascinating as well. Yeah, I would love to have that to see where that goes with Microsoft. As you say, I hate to see Microsoft fail. It's not just where one company is victorious over another. When a company fails, what happens? They cut back, they fire people, people lose their jobs, and suddenly you have people who are really hurt personally because of the failures of the company. And the industry does better if everybody competes better. So if Windows 8 doesn't do well, what is Microsoft's plan B? What does Microsoft do with Windows 9 if... 8 fails. What do they do with the Surface if that doesn't work? Do they say, well, maybe people don't want this slim and light netbook. They want a real tablet. I don't know. I would think they would look at how much people want the tablets being produced by Apple and the other Android manufacturers and say, you know, how do we make our Surface 2 a lot more competitive? But I think the tablet is definitely the way that they need to go. 
you know, to, to touch on what, what you stated about competition being better for everybody, look at the sales of the iPad mini. And this is a device that in a lot of ways, Apple promised they were never going to build. They were big believers in the nine inch screen. Seven inch screen is never going to work. The competition proved them wrong and stated, no, there's a lot of people who want the seven inch screen. And now we have iPad mini and it was the third iPad released this year, which is kind of insane. But I think it's a sign of a company that is saying, you know, we need to stay current. We need to adapt. We need to make sure that we're we're looking at what the other competitors are doing, not laughing at them and coming up with products that can compete. Well, Apple's excuse here, and you have to look at what Phil Schiller said, is, look, we've got a third more screen real estate from the 7-inch tablets because it's 4-3 aspect ratio, not widescreen. For reading books, going to websites, it's a lot more usable area. So, yeah, you'll get bigger black borders on movies, but everything else is more effective. And and I think you get that, and I get that, and a lot of people do, but there's a lot of people who are just going to walk into you know, a Best Buy or, or some other store and hold these devices side by side that have no idea what aspect ratio is and, and look at it, you know, the bold numbers of, oh, this one's bigger than the other one just by holding them side by side. And I think, you know, Apple, what they did with the iPad mini, I think was right on. I think keeping the aspect ratio where they did allowed it to use all of the existing iPad apps perfectly with no distortion. And that's a big selling point over what happens in Google where everything's a different screen size. But again, I think a lot of that is lost at the point of sale. But then when people start to use it and enjoy it, they realize, wow, the iPad mini is clearly, in my opinion, the best tablet that's out there right now. Um, I prefer it in a lot of ways to, to the iPad itself, even though it doesn't have the specs that the iPad has and doesn't have the specs that other 7-inch tablets have. But what it does do... The way it performs for a user, I think it does better than any other tablet that's out there. And there's some suggestions on the part of some people, not my suggestions, suggesting over time the 7.9-inch iPad becomes the iPad. It becomes more popular because, yes, the larger screen has other joys and benefits, but this particular model is more useful for traveling, moving around, ebook reading, that kind of thing. I, I would probably agree with that. Um, I've been I've been holding in my first generation iPad and the iPad Mini over the last week or so, and it's just night and day. And I now my first generation iPad feels like a dinosaur at this point in its size and weight, as as magical as it was when it came out. Um, but when I hold the two together, I would much prefer to be on the iPad Mini than any other tablet that I've ever used. And uh, the screen size, I think, is perfect for just about everything that I need to use it for. Um, when I need a bigger screen, I really want a much bigger screen. I don't think the screen size of the iPad is as compelling to me. I don't even think the Retina display is as compelling to me when I'm using a device that size. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a big winner for them. Um, and I think it may end up being the the default go-to iPad in the future. Early sales and surveys are suggesting that very little cannibalization, though, is happening with the full-size iPad that what Apple is gaining is customers from other platforms or customers who never use a tablet. Because I think it, it really, the price point hits that sweet spot, and, and a lot of people felt it was priced too high, and I would count myself as one of them originally, but there's a certain appeal to an Apple pro product, and there's a certain appeal to the iPad that fair or not, no other competitor can really match. So now, if I can get a brand, I can get the newest iPad for you know the price that it's at. Um, it's in a lot of people's range, and I think a lot of people 
want it. And if they're going to get any tablet and they can afford the iPad mini, they're going to go there. If I was going to get a laptop and I could afford the iPad mini, I'd probably prefer to go there as well. Unless, again, if I needed specific requirements and specifications for a job, that's a different story. But if I'm looking at a device that I, w- I want to do the things that you most people do, surf the web, email, um, the applications and so on, the mini is really a great one-handed device. Yes, I see your point. As a matter of fact, I consider whether I'd like to add an iPad to my personal inventory. My wife loves the full-size iPad, but I'm wondering maybe that iPad mini would be the sweet spot for my needs. We'll have to see. Adrian Hoppo, where do we find more of your stuff? I write Law and Apple for MacLife.com. It's there every Wednesday afternoon. Adrian Hoppo, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? We're losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. I've known Jeff Bodine at Micromat for probably 20 years or more. We first met up at a Macworld Expo, but he has been a longtime developer for the Apple platform. In fact, the company started Micromat in 1989, Jeff? That's right, 1989. Okay, now, you have always produced products that do diagnostics on Macs and hard drives. So tell us at the beginning how you got started. Well, the company uh, Micromat started out as actually a repair facility for Macintosh, and this was back in 1989 when I think about the the, the biggest machine you can get in those days was, you know, uh, a Mac II and an SE, and... um, we opened this uh, repair facility because, um, you know, there's definitely a market for it. There wasn't really too many dealers, especially um, dealers with repair facilities. And, uh, you know, we did a lot cheaper than everybody else. But in doing this for a while, I, I soon discovered that there wasn't really any good tools for the independent Macintosh technician. I mean, if you're an Apple dealer and an Apple authorized repair technician, they had some stuff for you. But even that stuff was a little sketchy and few and far in between. So uh, I started writing software, uh, really simple stuff, but people would see this stuff and, um, you know, they'd, uh, they'd go, oh, can I get a copy of it? And, you know, I was always kind of leery of doing that because there's sort of these kludged things that I put together that, you know, besides not even having documentation, they really didn't have any comprehensible user interface. But um, I started refining this stuff, and I had a customer, I believe, who was in charge or had some, he had something to do with the uh, San Francisco Computer Fair, which used to run all the time, and it used to be like an Apple II thing. And so he asked me in 1989, yeah, it was 89 or 90, to come down and just show this little, you know, utility I had and talk about, uh, you know, Macintosh repair in general. And this was a, a conference uh, as part of this computer fair 
about computer repair. So, you know, I'm up there with five PC guys that do PC repair, sell PC diagnostic software. And, um, you know, I talked about repair issues with them, and finally, you know, I got some questions in that, uh, what, what do you use, you know, for diagnostics on a Mac, because we can't get anything. And I did a little demo of the thing that I created, and, uh, of course, I, I probably spent more time, you know, making it look good than <laughs> being very functional, but it just blew these people's minds. I, at the end of this conference, I had 50 people approach me, offering me money for this piece of software, which... You know, it was neat, and it actually exercised the machine, but it was nowhere near a real diagnostic like what we do today. But that pretty much woke me up to the fact that, you know, I could do a lot better designing diagnostic software than I could if, you know, actually repairing people's machines. And that's that's really how the software side of it started. We only really did repairs. Uh, we, we sort of phased out the repairs over the next couple of years and went exclusively to making software. And, you know, at that point, you know, we started hiring some real programmers far better than me. Well, you've always had very elaborately designed interfaces. We have. We have. It's, uh, you know, I, I think a product like this traditionally is almost always this, like, terminal interface where you type in run diagnostic and you get back all these cryptic numbers in, you know, some Monaco font in this terminal-like program. And, um, you know, that's definitely something I want to change. And, uh, of course, at the time I was a big Star Trek fan, too, so it's sort of help get that space-age look. Right. So, of course, you wanted to make sure that you had an onboard computer for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. We wanted to, uh, you know, definitely be entertaining and, you know, beneficial as well. Knowing most of Micromat through the software products called Tech Tool in various iterations. Right. Tell us how Tech Tool came to you. Was that the outgrowth of this original product? No, actually, there was a couple of stages before that. Our first real commercial product, uh, boy, if we if we set the Wayback Machine to the earliest possible setting as far as Micromat history goes, I actually had a series of hypercard stacks that would uh, sort of be like a repair guide. So it was kind of neat. You could click on different areas of the machine you're having trouble with, and then it would drill you down. It was like an expert system where it's like, okay, you know, are you having a problem with this? Are you having a problem with this? Then click here. And it would sort of guide you down to, you know, trying to isolate the problem, and then it would tell you what to do. Oh, we sold probably, uh, yeah, and we sold at least, you know, 10,000 copies of this thing, which really, you know, it was a hypercard stack with information, you know, <laughs> stuff that you could easily find on the web today. Kind of like animated cards. Then, of course, you had a product called Mac EKG, and exactly. it says here on your site that Mac EKG was used by NASA on space shuttle flight STS-51, to test the effects of microgravity on digital electronic equipment in space. It does sound like Star Trek. It does, it does. And that was, that was kind of a lucky thing. They, uh, they were, NASA's always been a pretty good customer of ours, and we had one person who was um, putting together the experiments, and that was something that came up, and they contacted us because they were going up there with, uh, at the time, the original Mac laptops, I believe, if you remember those big, giant, heavy things. And in fact, uh, if you if you go on YouTube, you could probably find uh, the video of these guys with one of these things up there, and they eject a floppy in zero gravity, and it goes flying across the shuttle, and a guy on the other side of the ca a shuttle catches this floppy. 
but uh, yeah, that's that's a machine they used it on, and uh, you know it was, uh, it was it was kind of a neat thing. It was it was a neat honor. Um, they didn't invite us after the launch pad to uh, you know wave goodbye, but uh, they sent us the results next year, and uh, as we expected, computers do run a bit faster in space. Well, I guess we should all go into space and find out. It's so unfortunate that the space program hasn't really done very much in recent years. With that, is a political discussion we won't get into today. Okay, yes, so exactly, exactly. I agree with you 100%. Various iterations of tech tools. This was like an all-encompassing diagnostic utility. Don't you remember the original freeware tech tool? Okay. So, let, zap, okay, zap tell us... Zap your PRAM, reset your... Uh, what did it do? It would zap your PRAM and uh, reset something else. So it was a free product first. That yeah, did some yeah, simple no, things. Yeah, it was a little freebie we put out, and actually that was something we made uh, uh, for... Uh, Advertising Mac EKG. You know, we just said, okay, let's let's make a free utility. We'll put a little ad in there for Mac EKG. We'll give them something useful. And this thing, I mean, got millions and millions of downloads. It was it was just incredible how many people were passing this thing around and, and downloading it. And each time they launched it, they had this you know little ad for our actual commercial product. So there was so much so much fame around that product. It sort of outshone the, our commercial product, Mac EKG. So when it came time to make, you know, the new version of Mac EKG, we said, forget it. You know, this name TechTool is more famous. It's magic. We're not going to call this Mac EKG Pro. We're going to call it TechTool Pro. So that's how it became what it is, which is an all-encompassing diagnostic utility that covers not just your hardware and systems, but your hard drive and all that stuff. No, we didn't quite get there right away, though. The first one well, or two wait, wait, versions... I understand the migration. You had to yeah. go from here to there. The first version didn't do anything with hard drives. Okay. And that came that, later. That's the big time. That that came later, and we... Yeah. So as you progress, you added more and more features. Right, right. But the big one was, of course, the, the disk repair stuff. That was sort of the golden ring of any kind of computer diagnostic. I'm going to ask a fast question here. Because mm-hmm. we see this now with Apple's Fusion Drive, which is really two drives that right. are seen as one. Right. Do SSDs create a more difficult problem to diagnose? And understand we're going to have to split for another segment in a few seconds, so get started. And if I throw you off, it's because we have to break. Now, when you say FSD, we're talking about these new Fusion Drives, right? We're talking about any solid-state drive, but particularly Fusion Drive. Yeah. Okay. So the solid-state drives uh, in and of themselves are kind of a weird thing. Of course, they're really not drives. They're just basically a big chunk of flash memory. Um, The funny thing about flash memory is that uh, you have a finite number of writes you can make to that. And uh, I came across a situation where I had to wipe out one that was kind of acting up on me, and it wouldn't allow me to do that secure erase. Aha. Let's get into more of this in our next segment. We have Jeff Bodine of Micromat joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night How Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? 
you go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number 1, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to LibertyStickers.com to order. Call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com. The world's most dangerous stickers. Being an armed citizen means having a gun with you all the time. Carrying a firearm every day requires a holster that is both concealable and comfortable. Whether you choose our Super Tuck Deluxe or Mini Tuck, you'll have the confidence that comes from being discreetly and comfortably armed, prepared to face unforeseen dangers. Crossbreed holsters are handmade in the USA, come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. Order your holster today at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Pharmacist Ben Fuchs has learned the importance of good fats for good health. Good fats are essential fatty acids and they're called essential because they're necessary for good health. That's why he uses Ultimate EFAs from Longevity. Among the fats, the most powerful are two fats that are referred to as essential fatty acids. Now, nothing in the world of nutrition is more important than essential fatty acids. The word essential means you better get it in your diet or you're in big trouble. Essential fatty acids are perhaps the most multifunctional and versatile of all the essential nutrients. Essential fatty acids are not just important for the heart. They're important for everything in the body. To get the essential fatty acids that are so important to your body, order Ultimate EFAs from Longevity by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470. Or on the web at brightsidebin.com. That's brightsidebin.com. Order today. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? 
You never know. Jeff Bodine is the chief cook and bottle washer over there at Micromat. They've been in the Mac universe since 1989. Their current product is, of course, Tech Tool Pro. They have a Tech Tool Pro to go. And a new product we'll talk about in just a moment called Checkmate. Okay? Before we get to that, okay, so we have a problem with solid-state drives is that there's a finite number of times you can write to them. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and that's, that's the nature of flash memory is... Uh, Pretty much it's, uh, you know, can only be used a certain amount of times, unlike, you know, a magnetic disk, which there is, of course, any limit to physical storage. But uh, with uh, flash memory, it's a, a bit m- more known, you know, how far you could take it. And uh, like I was saying before the break, I came across a, a situation where I had to wipe out one of these drives and uh, Apple's disk utility wouldn't let me do it. Uh, this is just a couple of days ago, too. And uh, my main technician over at uh, Micromat Christian, he said, uh, yeah, this has got something to do with the uh, the write count and them not wanting to, you know, overuse your write count by doing a secure erase. So he was able to format it. I, I don't know if he used uh, disk utility or something else, but uh, it's it's a new thing that kind of uh, is not animal. And these new fusion drives, you know, I kind of look at them as just a regular drive with a really big cache and a better brain controlling it use the analogy of two drives and and technically you're right but really i mean they're using the flash memory as just a huge you know cache which all drives have some kind of memory cache to cut down on the number of reads and writes they do but uh you know i think uh, i don't think it's it's going to be any different as far as troubleshooting or repairs or anything like that because you know they're they're made to be backwards compatible you know to the computer it's just a drive and the magic is happening within the drive so I don't foresee any problems. But uh, are these things actually out yet? The Fusion Drive is officially shipping in the Mac Mini as an option. And, and later on, of course, when the new iMac and the 27-inch and 21-and-a-half-inch come out, you'll see it, yeah. too. According to Macworld Magazine, you're getting most of the performance of solid-state drive by having this combination of 128-gigabyte solid-state storage and a gigabyte hard drive. The combination, because of smart movement of files, as exactly. you load That's the operating the system and the major applications are already on there, and then the rest is moved intelligently. Okay, let's talk about the new product that's just come out called Checkmate. Now, this is totally different than Tech Tool Pro and anything like that, right? Absolutely. This, this product is, is something that we've been meaning to do for a while, but we've just been so busy with doing Tech Tool Pro that... Uh, we, we never got around to it, and there was an opening in our schedule that allowed us to finally pull it off. The problem with diagnostic products like TechTool Pro, and you know, I don't want to disparage my own product, but it's sort of like you know any ambulance, okay? It shows up or it's utilized when something's gone really bad. Now, if you get a regular checkup, you can often avoid that ambulance by catching small problems. And, of course, I'm using the medical analogy here, but it's, it's applicable here as well. If you, you know, catch a small problem before it becomes a big problem, you know, it can save you a lot of grief. Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So we developed this product to do a regular check of your Mac of, you know, the, the major systems, the, the drives, the drive directories, memory, um, some other aspects of the machines, corrupted files. Uh, you know, a handful of the important things. Um, 
and we wanted it to do a check regularly. In fact, we wanted it to check the machine as much as possible without interrupting the user's work and without, you know, affecting the computer's performance. So we, we, we pulled this off, and, you know, we, we, we tried to do something like this with TechTool Pro where we could just, like, have this little daemon that would initiate it and run it, but it was just far too obtrusive. It, it was, you know, always popping up. It, it, it didn't work. So we had to take a completely different approach, and we created this uh, system which essentially learns the user's behavior pattern. And so it's not even going to try to do anything until it establishes, you know, when you're using compu- your computer and when you're not. And it's always going to try to do uh, the big tests when you're away from your computer so it could just run through the whole thing and, and get it done. And then, you know, it will try to, you know, do a few of the lighter tests during idle periods when, you know, you're not using your, your computer. There's no mouse or keyboard. So does it somehow measure the load on the computer to determine whether you're using it or not? Not so much the load, but just the interface, the the, the human interface to the computer, uh, mouse, keyboard. I believe we also check for any network activity. So if you start a big download um, and then you go off to go get dinner while this thing is downloading a huge file, we don't want to be initiating tests just because we think you're away. We're, 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 so we are checking what the computer is doing. You're also and checking the we, file system. So, for example, if I have one of these online backup systems, cloud-based backup systems, where it's doing a backup or I'm doing a time machine backup, you stay out of the way during those things. Yes. Um, and, in fact, uh, to do the, the drive test, we do have to make sure the drives aren't busy, and we, we certainly don't affect another program's operation. So we check for a, a number of different um, indicators that would say the computer's busy doing something. And, you know, since this is a um, uh, basically an incremental diagnostic, we don't try to do the entire diagnostic suite in one fell swoop. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a chunk of it here. We, if we can, we'll do another chunk. And then we just kind of save that spot for whichever particular test uh, we're doing and then, you know, move on to it later. Now, if you find a problem. If you find a problem, uh, a number of things happen. One is uh, there's a little, uh, uh, the, the icon for the program, Checkmate, is a little uh, uh, knight piece from a chess set. Um, and we have a little uh, pull-down menu that, uh, appears after installation at the top of your uh, menu bar. Uh, that allows you quick access to the main application and uh, also serves as a you know last test status. Uh, that'll start bouncing. The dialogue will come up if it's something serious and prompt you to go into the main program and take a look at what's going on. And uh, once that happens, the interface that you may have seen on our, our uh, you know announcement about this uh, comes up, and you have access to the logs. You have access to the summary. Um, it gives you advice on, on ways to deal with this. And, I, you know, I should add here, this is a, a passive diagnostic. It doesn't just look for things and go off fixing them. It's simply a, a monitor to tell you when something is starting to go wrong or if something has gone wrong. And then we give you the steps like, you know, if, if you have TechTool Pro, you know, run this on your disk. If you don't have TechTool Pro, try Disk Utility. Okay, we understand and, here, and we only have a couple of minutes left, so I'm kind of moving mm-hmm. you along. So we understand here, this is the smoke detector. It tells you what's going wrong, but then you can either use Tech Tool Pro or something else, some other way of fixing it. This is just the diagnostic. It's not the repair tool. Exactly. Okay. And, so, you know, even, even if you're not going to take on repair yourself, at least you've got some impetus to do a, a backup sooner than you might have before. And maybe or then if, if it's something serious, you can take it over to your friendly neighborhood genius at the Apple Genius Bar and ask them for help. You can certainly do that as well. And we hope, I guess you hope, you'll have these people buy a copy of Tech Tool Pro. I hope so. 
but right now you have a special deal to get a copy of Checkmate. Yeah, no, we're, right now we're offering a special introductory price of 29 It's normally 49 And then if you own one of our uh, previous products, uh, any one of our previous products, you can actually get it for $19 just by putting in your uh, prior Tech Tool Pro or uh, whatever product we had, serial number, and you'll get that uh, additional discount. What about the reverse? You buy Checkmate and you say, I want Tech Tool Pro. Do I get a discount? You know, we haven't even thought of that yet, but that is a brilliant idea, Gene. We'll work out the marketing plan later. I'm sure you can do it. You got it. Now, because you're doing all these deep, down, dirty things, this is the kind of program that they don't put in the App Store, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We, we have to get down to a system level that Apple doesn't yet approve of in the App Store. So. Well, not to worry about it, but that's something where we have to talk about that as a serious issue that Apple should find ways to allow very mission-critical apps like this in there. How do our listeners find more information about Checkmate, Tech Tool Pro, etc.? Just go to www.micromat.com. www.micromat.com. And by the way, you can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl at Twitter. If you follow us, neighbors, we might even follow you. We also have a forum, forum.technightowl.com, forum.technightowl.com. And let me tell you, we have another radio show. I don't know whether Jeff listens to this one or not. This is the wild one called The Powercast about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we're going to be talking about life after death with someone who's had three near-death experiences where she died for two or more minutes, came back as kind of a different person. That's Paracast.com, Paracast.com. But here on the Tech Night Out Live, special thank you to Jeff Bodine of Micromat. Thanks, my friend, for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, sir. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.